Another day is here, and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDSE. What's up, everybody? Welcome to another episode of Toronto Jets Live. I'm your host, Stephen Zantz, joined by my co-host, Stephen Russo. We do have a special guest who will be joining mid-show, Jay Gasman, friend of the program, his third time on the show. So we're super excited to have that. But for now, we've got just Stephen and I. Stephen, how you doing? How you feeling? A uh, little sigh of relief, I guess, but we're going to wait and see till tomorrow. I don't want to steal your thunder at all. I think you have a fantastic story from your experience uh, last Friday night. So I'll go ahead and I'll pass it back to you so you can give a, a quick synopsis of your Friday night. Oh, go ahead. man. So this is, I think a lot of fans will appreciate this because I'm sure they'll be like, I had something similar like this happen to me. So full disclosure, I think I teased this actually on last week's show that I was going to the Mets game with my girlfriend, uh, my sister, and her boyfriend. So my thought process is, as I'm going in that game, I don't want to know what happens, what good, bad, indifferent, whatever. I was like, okay, I'm on the seven train going to City Field. I say to my girlfriend, I'm putting my phone on do that to serve. I don't want to know what's going on. I want to just enjoy this night. The four of us should be a good time. Even though I'm a Yankee fan in enemy territory, City Field's awesome. I will say it's better than Yankee Stadium. We're there, you know, we're getting food, whatever. The Jet game, I think, was starting about a half an hour after the Met game had for a head first pitch. Uh, we're eating, we're drinking, it's, you know, it's a good time, whatever. I had Pat Lafrida steak sandwich, which is phenomenal. I highly recommend to anyone who goes to City Field to get that. Great sandwich. All of a sudden, uh, my girlfriend goes to me. She's like, hey, let's let's take a picture. Me not like thinking about opening my phone is something. I was like, oh, okay, yeah, sure, let's take a picture. I open my phone. I have 25 text messages. I have three missed calls, mostly from my dad. And I'm like, did somebody die? Like, I literally thought that something happened. Like, what the hell's going on? So, because I'm sick, and I love this this team, and they do nothing but just cause me misery, I see texts from my dad, Wilson through terrible interception. Then, I see the Toronto Jets slack going off, and I'm like, what is going on? And everyone's like, he's dead. Oh, my God. Like, what's going on? I'm like, what the hell is going on? Of course, I have no self-control. I go down a rabbit hole. I see everything. And I became a dead person that was alive, but I was physically not there. Chelsea is looking at me. She has never seen this side of me because we dated about a year ago. We met actually a little year ago today. And she is like, oh my God, what is going on? She's like, do you want to go get alcohol? Do you want to get food? I'm like, I was like, I just want to go to the bathroom and let's get a drink. I was dead inside. I was just, I was like, ACL, he's done. This is, I've seen this one before. It's literally, this is what happens. There's nothing normal. All I want is a normal, normal season for the Jets. Nothing good ever happens. Damn nice things. I'm, the rest of the game, I'm just like in such a terrible mood. I felt bad because I felt like I was kind of being rude to everybody else. But eventually, like, I kind of like compose myself and get home and I call my dad back. I went on like a 15 minute tirade and I'm sure my dad will eventually hear this and laugh because he knows what I'm talking about. Just going on and on about this franchise. Joe Namath made a deal with the devil. This is why we suffer. And man, it just sucks. It's like, we're the only team in the NFL that a quarterback gets mono. We're the only team in the NFL that just can't have a regular off season season, whatever. It's just always something. 
I hope people enjoyed that because I know thousands, millions of Jets fans out there probably felt the same thing. Steven, I know you knew a little bit about this story because I did text you that night. How are you feeling? This sucked. <laughs> I mean, it, uh, it definitely took the wind out of your sails. It was shades of 99 Vinny, uh, 03 Chad, where the beaming hope and positivity around the franchise just got deflated immediately. Anyone watching thought that that was an ACL as soon as you see it. I think, you know, people that are in the know, maybe kind of look at it, look at his reaction. I know Joe and Connor kind of said that as well. But when you see the way that he went down, you know, no contact, came up limping, went back down, had to get helped off, uh, walked to the locker room under his own power, which anybody knows that's watch football. I mean, ACL, you can always, you know, walk to the locker room under your own power. So, yeah. And then we're Jets fans. We've seen this movie way too many times. So all we're left like every year. Exactly. So all we're left to do is sit there and mull our own thoughts in our own pit of despair for the next, you know, three hours. And, and honestly, you know, the game wasn't fun at all. Like after, first of all, before that, it was a terrible start. I mean, the Jets just let the Eagles march down the field. Quincy Williams gets, you know, the egregious late hit on, uh, on Jalen Hurts, you know, like, there was no semblance of defense at all. I mean, I know it's preseason game one, like it's, it's vanilla versus vanilla, but come yeah. on, they can't, they can't do anything. Zach comes out in the first series, that was a terrible pick. And the next series, I don't even then, care about that. I, saw I honestly that. don't either. I'm like, you know what? Exactly. <laughs> okay. It is what it is. Yeah. He, you know, he's learned this isn't going to make or break his, his year, but then the injury, man. And it just like, after that, I really just didn't want to watch. And that's what, you know, similar to you, like, okay, you're at the Mets game, but you're going to come back and get jazzed up to watch it. Like it, Jets football's back. I felt the same way, you know, ready to have a couple of beers, had a nice dinner first, ready to sit down and watch the game. And what, you know, 20, 25 minutes real time in, I'm like, well, this is shot. And it just, it really just deflates you. And you're right. No other team does it like this. Like and, maybe, okay. I'll say maybe like the Browns, the Lions, because they've had their fair share of unlucky things. But the Jets can't do it just like they could never tank properly. They never yes. they just have always these obscure things that happen. The Browns yeah. just were perpetually bad, but they were just bad. The yeah. Jets have to be embarrassingly bad. Like the butt fumble. It's just and that's not even that and, bad. Like it sucks because but it got blown out of proportion because it was the Jets. You know? Yeah. Oh, I mean, sure, it does. And it's the the like realm of of positivity that we're in right now that's what stings the most like everyone is feeling good about this franchise everyone is feeling good about how uh their direction that this team is going we feel good about the coaching staff we feel good about the young talent we feel good about the front office we vibes are too good, good. Vibes are too it's, good. it is and it just <laughs> it, they just have a way of of bringing you back down to make you feel like why do i do it and if it, it's never going to happen um Having said that, you know, we're not out of the woods yet. Tomorrow is going to tell us a whole, you know, tell us the complete picture, I guess we'll say. The, you know, maybe this uh, same old Jets mantra is retired. If it really is only two to four weeks and maybe Zach comes back and he starts week one or week two, let's see. But maybe we can, you know, retire the same old Jets and the bad luck and all that. But honestly, man, nobody does it like the Jets. This was – you wait so long and the feelings are so good and you wait so long to, to get football back. And within, like I said, within 20, 25 minutes of, uh, of real time. And you're like, Holy shit, why the hell do I do this? Like what I'm thinking to myself when we're sitting, I'm sitting at the game and I'm like, just angry. And Chelsea, she's like, she's like, why are you just like, you know, it's sports. And I'm like, Chelsea, it's not even September and we're here. Like, 
can we get to September? Like, that's just like my thought process. I'm just yelling. I'm sure all these other people in the stands are just like, why is this guy just being, you know, complaining about something like this? But I'm just like, it just sucks. I just want to enjoy it. I don't want to just be watching Red Zone every week. I want to watch my team and I want them to be good or competitive for life. For just that's all I want. And, and honestly, there's there's so much of that. Like that's we talk about it pretty much every week on the show is how badly we just want competitive football. We make the jokes about wanting to be in the hunt. We say things like we just want our quarterback to play a full season. And then yeah. in that instant it feels like it all just gets stripped away and it's like, you know what, another wasted year. And that's what it felt like. So I don't want this to be doom and gloom. Um, Let's hope for positive news uh, out of Los Angeles tomorrow and and for Zach Wilson. And hopefully there's uh, there's no tear. It's just a minor cleanup in there and he's back and good to go. And let's hope two weeks. Um, But again, you know, like the other thing is, is that overshadowed was really, you know, the good news coming out of, of last week too was, you know, the Jets pivot and signed Dwayne Brown. And Dwayne Brown's in house and, and ready to go now. And that just completely like we forgot about that story because, you know, Beckton's injury was a huge blow to this team and they get Dwayne Brown at a, honestly, a, a pretty good deal, really. And it, you know, we just completely forget about that because Zach Wilson goes down in the first quarter of a, of a you know, preseason game one. Yeah. Listen, the Beckton thing, we were, we were able to like just stomach that more because we didn't expect him to be out there. We were like holding out as much hope as possible, but that we were like, okay, we expected him to get hurt. It was a matter of when, not if, just because that's who he is. Unfortunately, like I know his rookie season, he played most of the year, but he still was in and out of a few games. Mm-hmm. And and then on top of that, he missed a few. And then obviously he played two quarters last year. So it's like, you know, that's who he is. Um, I want to, before we like move to something else, I feel like we could talk about the timetable because I have my, my theory and I'm going to walk you through my theory. It's like, they say two to four weeks, which, you know, who knows? And then it could be longer. I, I will say it's like, they're saying if they go in there and they see something, but I'm like, are they really going to see something that these uh, MRIs haven't seen? I mean, like, I feel like it's pretty concrete when, you know, they, they see that it's like a partial, it's like, it's not a full, I feel like, I don't know if they're just trying to play with our emotions, if they don't want people to get rid of their season tickets. I don't know. But, okay, we're going to go off the assumption it's a two- to four-week time game. So I've mapped this out in my head. I think, if assuming it actually is four weeks, because there's no way it's two weeks. Let's, let's be honest. That's just like they're trying to make us feel better. It's not going to be two weeks. I, I would be stunned. Today is what, August 15th? I would be absolutely shocked if we get an alert that Zach Wilson is practicing on August 28th. That's just not happening. But if it's in the four-week timetable, that would mean he basically would be cleared the Tuesday before the Ravens game. So my thought process is I do think that he probably could be practicing in full at that point, but it would probably be his first week of full practice. I would think they would ire on the side of caution that see how he is, probably let him sit that week. So that way he could go through all the walkthrough. He could do like his warm-ups and everything, but they're probably like, you know what? He maybe needs another week just to get him ready. They don't want to overwhelm him because – he wouldn't have any other preseason action. You know, he hadn't practiced for a few weeks. And then he comes back week two, because that would be five weeks. Mm-hmm. That's just my thought process. I don't know. I'm just kind of going off, like, that's how they feel. Because they have an investment in him. And they do want to make sure that he's 100% right. He's ready to go. And they want to win this game. So maybe if they feel Joe can hold down the fort for one game, that's fine. What do you think? I'm in uh, 100% agreement with you. I think that they're not going to take any chances. I think they realize the potential severity of this injury. And I think there's no reason to rush him back for a game that is you're probably going to have more of a run heavy scheme anyway, knowing your opponent. 
So I don't think they necessarily, you know, do they need him? Yes. Is he a better option than Joe Flacco? Yes. But Joe Flacco being the experienced guy, being able to handle the offense and the way that he's looked thus far this preseason, I think that's a luxury the Jets have is not rushing Zach Wilson back because I don't think they absolutely need to. Would I love to see him out there on week one? Absolutely, but only if it's 100% and that they are 100% confident that he's back and fully ready to do everything. Um, that means, you know, taking a hit, scrambling, you know, all that stuff. So uh, I do, I think that you're 100% spot on. I, I think that uh, we're probably looking at week two. I would be surprised if it's week one, um, but erring on the side of caution, I think is the best uh, thing for this team to do. Yeah. I also just don't want it to hurt me anymore. Like I, I don't want to get my hopes like, you know, all the way up and then only to be like, he's out till week three. So I'm yeah. just trying to have a middle ground of in between week two, yeah. eight, week one and week three. So that's just kind of my thought process. You know, and, and that's the other thing that you're trying to balance here too. <laughs> <is> just, <laughs> I mean, that's the other thing is, is you're really trying to balance like how good he was looking in camp. I mean, making progress every day, throwing two or three incompletions and that's it every day, like not throwing any picks in practice, everything. I mean, it was just progressively better and better and better. And he was getting stars day in and day out from Dennis Wazak of the, uh, you know, Bro, Dennis, uh, Dennis like, on Will's show that day. I, I know it. Or, or like, it was the, I guess it was the day before Will put it out. He just made me so excited because he just was saying, he's like, he has just been improving, improving, looking good. It's just, damn it. Yeah. Like, why? <laughs> I know. So, you know, let's put our, you know, put all the positive vibes only. Good news tomorrow. He's back week two at the at the latest, maybe week one, and he's good for every start from here on out. And this is a minor hiccup when you look at the season, you know, from a ten thousand foot view. Come uh, come January, February. Yes, I, I listen from your lips to God's ears. I mean, think about this: we're asking for a full season. So if we start sixteen games. We're like, okay, he started a full season yeah. in like the regular old <laughs> NFL. Sorry, yes. I missed the one you. Because you got to think about it. Sometimes guys don't play in week 17 on teams that are actually good. You know, yeah. they sit out usually. So let's hope. Maybe but, he misses um, two starts because of that. Maybe they put Flacco back in again week 18 because the Jets have a, have a wild card spot locked that, up. Yeah. That would be the greatest thing in the world. <laughs> <laughs> uh, speaking of Mr. Flacco, um, do you think that he can hold down the four, whether it's one game, two games, or three games? Like, what are your thoughts on him based on what you've seen of him as a Jet? So, he obviously made some starts in 2020 when Sam Darnold got hurt. And then he obviously had the start last year. I believe it was against Miami because mm-hmm. Mike White started um, started the Cincinnati game. Yep. He started the Indy game, got hurt, came back for the Buffalo game. And then um, then they decided to go with Flacco. I don't know if it was because White had COVID or they were just like, we want to like not get embarrassed because our yeah. fans like, you know, want to see I- something. I think, yeah, those, uh, those, what, what a whirlwind those four games were. Oh, man. Man. What? So, my thoughts on Flacco are he's, you know, 2020. I mean, I think he gets remembered for going toe to toe with Belichick and the Patriots uh, on Monday Night Football and almost pulling out that win that honestly, I think all of us Jets fans were rooting for the loss. Uh, and we got it that day, uh, which, <laughs> you know, which was, uh, was great. Um, and then I believe he's also remembered for like a, like a 25 yard sack loss or something that he had against Miami, like the next week in 2020. So 2020 man will wash the Gase years, no weapons. Like that was just an awful team. We, I'll scrub my hands a bit. I, you feel like you're going to say something. What do you got? Oh, well, I was just going to say like, he wasn't that bad. No. With Gase. Like no. he actually like, they moved the ball. The team was just horrendous. Exactly. I mean, like, he was handing the ball to Frank Gore. Like, what a world. Frank Gore, it, 2020. Like, I it know. was just, yeah. It, but I, I will say, though, he did actually have 
a touchdown to Elijah last year. Yeah. I guess it wasn't, I think it wasn't the Dolphin game. It that was. was like Elijah's best play of his career. It was yeah. awesome. So he can do it. You can still sling that ball, man. He's I think arm. he can. So that, that I guess that was my point. In 2020, he looked, you know, halfway decent, had a, had a good game and probably a, a subpar game on the worst team in football. 2021 in one star, he had his toe-to-toe with Miami, a game we probably should have won. Had, con- you know, uh, connections with Elijah Moore, obviously had a rapport there. So now you bring him into this fold now with three weeks or four weeks to prepare for the first week of the season. With an, you know, obviously an improved roster and improved weapons and a better offensive line and a more talented running game and receivers and tight ends. So I think Flacco will do just fine. Am I going to say he's going to go out there and light the world on fire and beat the Ravens by 30? Uh, No, I'm not that crazy. But can he come out there and go toe to toe with them? Absolutely. I think a seasoned vet, 37 years old, whatever he is, can still sling it talented, you know, weapons and, uh, and offense around him. Absolutely. And I do think, I think Connor said it on, uh, on Badlands. I think this is going to be a very run heavy, uh, safer scheme against, against Baltimore the first week of the season, just because that's just got how you got to play Baltimore. So I think he'll manage just fine Would I want him to start 17 games. No, um, but he'll be able to keep his head above water for one week. And the biggest thing that you forgot to mention, which you're probably thinking revenge game, <laughs> which I think is, you know, he like he kind of got a raw deal. I get it. Baltimore is like Lamar Jackson's the future. They want to go to him. But I do remember in that playoff game, Lamar's rookie season, Lamar was really bad against the Chargers. And everyone was like, bring Flacco and bring Flacco in. Obviously, they made the right decision. I'm not here to I'm not gonna sit here and tell you that you know they shouldn't have done that. Lamar is awesome, you know, he's one of the best quarterbacks in the league. He deserves to get paid whenever he wants to get paid because he's a franchise guy. Yeah. You know what? You all have the conversation about, you know, he could get injured in a second. I get it. But, you know, he's been great really since, you know, the end of his rookie season and then obviously an MVP year. But you think that that doesn't bother Joe? He brought that team a Super Bowl. Brought, Lamar's done nothing, you know? So yeah. at the end of the day, you think he wouldn't want to stick it to the Ravens one more time? You know, yeah, in, a spot, in a in a of course he would. I don't he doesn't care how much money they gave and, him. And and to, to beat the guy that took his job, absolutely. That matters. That 100 percent matters. He even said it today in his press conference that of course he's thinking about it. Yeah, he's giving it a little thought. And he kind of poked fun at, at you know guys that he's seen like this in the past that you know they say, Oh, it's not a big deal, just like every other game. He's like, No, bullshit. No, I know, I see through it. Like it is, and that's good for him. Good, like I appreciate the honesty. So, yes, revenge game for Joe Flacco. He absolutely should want to stick it to the Ravens. Yeah, I agree. And I do think we, I think the best part about it is, and I hate saying this because it kind of sounds like a bit about the best sack. It's like, if he does start, you know that the floor, and I'm stealing, I'm stealing some of Connor's words from this. So if you haven't heard bad lens, you're missing out. But Connor was just saying, <laughs> at worst, it's going to look like a certain, like an NFL offense. It's not going to look like, you know, Zach just not looking prepared. So at least we could, I feel we could trust that, you know, he'll be able to do some things and like yeah. the offense will get some tutties. So Absolutely. Um, I do feel like he's a good person you know, to have hold down the fort. He's been around the building, you know, he's really well liked in the locker room. Zach loves him. Like, mm-hmm. That can't be discounted in this situation. Zach yes. loves Joe Flacco. And I really think that like when they brought him in, I think that's when Zach started to you know, pick it up mentally. And that's when he started to be playing better because Joe was there to show him the things that he wasn't seeing. Cause no offense, Mike White, but like, man, you had one start that year and like never really did anything. Josh Johnson obviously had his, you know, his phase, but Flacco's a Super Bowl winning quarterback. He's been to the Pro Bowl before. So, you know, I think that was a big deal. And I'm I'm happy they did bring back Flacco because, you know, he is a legit veteran. But yeah, there's a level of trust there. And I'm not yes. in full panic mode. 
I guess that's the, that's the best way to sum it up for week one is that if he has to start, I have a level of trust in him. I'm not panicking. I think he can hold down the fort and put us in a competitive spot to potentially win that football game. Yes, totally agree. Um, all right, we're going to transition away from quarterback play, at least from the Jets' perspective, because this, this next topic definitely has to do with quarterbacks. We have the Jets quarterback. So you touched on this earlier in the show, but we didn't really go into detail of it, but I do feel like this needs to be addressed. What the hell was Quincy Williams doing with that lead hit on Jalen Hurts? Like, I get it. You know, you're football players, you're running fast, whatever. He could have easily stopped that. It's the preseason. You shouldn't do that in the regular season, let alone preseason. Honestly, and, you know, this may be being a little bit harsh. You're probably going to disagree, and it's fine. Salah should bench him for the first half of the first game, the real, first real game. Dude, that stuff can lose you a football game, and it could hurt somebody. Like, what are you doing, man? Like, it was so obvious. And, like, I, I like the way how Salah addressed it after the game that it was just like it was, you know, basically inexcusable and whatever. But you got to send a message to a guy. This, this can't be an undisciplined football team. What do you think about that? Uh, I'm not, like – I don't totally disagree with your assessment and the, and the potential punishment. I think that is a little bit aggressive, but you got to you have to send a message. So um, you can see how upset Sirianni was. Uh, you could easily yeah, make he was out. Cursing, what he, he was cursing <laughs> off Salah. Yeah. You could easily make out what he said in the, uh, in the replay of that uh, across the sideline to Salah. I think, you know, Salah worded it perfectly that those are the types of things. And those, those mental mistakes are what se- what is separating Quincy Williams from becoming the player that he wants to be. And it was egregious, but at the same time, um, you can't tell him to lay up just because it's a preseason game. He shouldn't make that hit anytime. So, you know, that's really his mental error and him, you know, his thing to correct because it's a preseason game. We're looking at it, you know, a little more lightly, I think, but let's say that was the first drive of a regular season game and you're about to force whatever team it is into, you know, you, you have him at third and long and you're about to force a punt, but he's the one that then all of a sudden hits the quarterback late and out of bounds. Boom. They drive down the field, score a touchdown. Now it's seven, nothing when it should have been your ball zero, zero. Those are the types of things that completely change the momentum of a football game. And we've seen this plenty of times as Jets fans, where you say we saw it last year, you know, it wasn't a late hit, but last year in the New England game, that non-fumble fumble, right. Yeah. Could have changed the course of the game right there. First drive momentum starts swinging in the Jets direction. Next thing you know, it's an entirely different game. So those are the types of things that you have to, they have to eliminate those mental mistakes, not just Quincy Williams, the entire team that seemed like it was Greg Williams still coaching the defense, not Robert Sala and Jeff Ulbrich. So those are the types of things that separate the good from the great or the bad from the good. Uh, so those are the things that, you know, Quincy and this entire team needs to take out of the game that the mental mistakes that drive you absolutely nuts. It was unnecessary. Yeah, I, I know I'll be a little harsh with the benching, but like in college, like if guys do stupid things, like they'll bench them. I know this is the yeah. this is the pros and everything, but like he shouldn't get off really. He should be fine. That's like it's like I know it's not technically it's contact, it's conduct detrimental to the team. You're affecting your team's chance to win a football game. Yeah. And I'm gonna give you an example of how it benefited the Jets, but like you know, it's something that was crazy. Think about Gino's rookie season against Tampa. They get it was a soft call, I will admit it. But it's still, we shouldn't have done it. And the Jets won the game. Who knows? The Jets may have not won eight games if they lose that game. And everything could have been a lot different. Yep. They could have started 0-2 instead of 1-1. and And you never know from there. So my point yep. is that, like you said, this isn't Greg Williams coaching the defense. This is a, a staff that we, you know, we believe in. We think that could really take some strides. The excuses are over, man. they got to hit the quarterback. But, like, legally, like, they got to get some pass rush. They got to make turn force turnovers. They got to you know make tackles. I do think they improved down the down the stretch last year with their tackling. I know in the beginning it was very sloppy, but I think over time it got much better. 
And now with more talented football players in the room, you've got to be executing and doing the right things and having a smart football IQ because that'll lose you games in this league. There's no doubt about it. Yeah. I think Quincy's going to get benched for Quan Alexander anyway. Uh, but that's not yes. here nor there. <laughs> it does seem like that's the case. And you know what? I'm fine with it. I think Quincy's better suited for a rotational role, not every yes. down, because he, there's so many times last year I felt like despite him, you know, getting some hard hits and getting a lot of tackles, he missed interceptions. He just wasn't like, he was keeping his head up. And I think a guy like Quan, you know, is going to actually have yeah. more awareness when he's out on the field. So Quincy's we'll a, a, he's a boomer bus player. And, yes. and the bus seemed to be a lot more frequent than the boom. But I, yes, the, the football aware, the big hit was great, but the football awareness, uh, not so much. Totally, totally. But um, we're going to move into more positive stuff because I know the Quincy stuff is like a little bit more negative. But um, if you've listened to this show, you, you follow Joe, you follow Connor, you follow really all of our Badlands TOJ fam, the Tyler Conklin hype train, full motion. And it does seem like it's stopping. The only thing that can stop it is if they can't score points, which as a Jets fan, you can't roll it out. But everyone keeps saying every day this guy makes plays. He's always open. He's catching balls. I think today he had five catches in practice. Um, I know Will was, was down at uh, one Jets drive watching practice from the sideline. And he said, this guy's awesome. He's just going to be a great player. What are your thoughts, you know, on this continued hype train of Conklin, who still is not being mentioned in fantasy football <laughs> rankings for tight ends in a very weak position? There you go. You're, give, you're giving, giving away your advice. sleeper advice. Yeah. I'm giving the advice. And I'm probably going to draft them in all my leagues just because, um, you know, I'm at Homer with that. I did that with Elijah last year. I tried to get Elijah in every single league. I think I got him in one or two. <laughs> what do you think? <laughs> uh, I think Tyler Conklin's going to be a, a force to be reckoned with, man. I think um, I had him pegged as kind of probably the third in target shares just uh, as camp has kind of shaken out, you know, when we get to the, the regular season. But he may creep up to number two. I think Elijah's a clear number one. But I think Tyler Conklin's kind of solidifying himself as uh, as a legitimate threat. I think in that uh, in the the preseason game, he had seven targets, four catches. He's going to continue to eat. I think he's obviously got good rapport with Zach Wilson. Um, obviously, he continued today with five catches in camp with Flacco starting. You know what I mean? So he's going to be in there, man. And the, how about the like? Let me, let's expand it. How about the Jets' tight end room? Honestly, Rucker, baby. right? Rucker, Lawrence Cager making some plays, making that transition nicely. Kenny yeah. Eboa, I know, is a, is a fan favorite and a, and a quiet sleeper. But let's – I mean, the fact that we have options here is just – I keep saying it every week. It's amazing, man, from where, where we've been from the tight end room to where we are now. You have two legitimate options that could start on a lot of teams in the NFL, and both of them are here. You got Jeremy Rucker, who's a young up-and-comer, who from the looks of it and the sounds of it – is going to make himself uh, going to get himself playing time in that, in that rotation, whether it's a blocker, which he had some good snaps. I know Connor highlighted those scored a touchdown. And then you got Lawrence Cager, who's a transition tight end or a wide receiver that can clearly move and make catches. So uh, the fact that it could be a tough decision on, on what they cut down to and who they keep from a tight end standpoint is just awesome. So Conklin, I'm a huge believer in, I've been saying it all off season. We were doing a spaces midway, midway through free agency when they signed him literally like two seconds before we went live. And it was kind of an under the radar thing. Like we already had Uzama and now they bring in Conklin. So you're like, Oh wow. The Jets got two tight ends now. And then you start looking at what he actually did and how he actually plays. You get more and more excited. You see the rapport with Zach and more and more catches and targets. I think he's going to be, I think he's going to be fantastic for this offense. I think at the end of the day, you see him being a huge red zone target, probably 60 plus catches in this offense. Yeah. Uh, listen, you say no more. I, I, there's nothing you, you said, there's nothing I could say to add to that because I believe everything you just said, 
And I know people are like, you know, you can't always agree with each other. I mean, we disagreed a little bit before, but yeah, I'm super excited about Conklin. But the one thing I was thinking about as you're, you're talking about this, think about where we were for this tight end room a year ago. Remember we got to cut day and yeah. we're like, they cut all the tight ends. Like who, who the hell is the tight end on the cross? And then they bring them all back. They bring back Ryan Griffin and they bring back Dan Brown. Bro, think about what that was. Like we got excited because Ryan Griffin in 2019, because we were so barren of talent around this team when he had like a stretch where he caught a couple touchdowns and he had like three or 400 yards on the season that this team extended him. Thank God that Joe Douglas wiped, like wiped away of that. Unfortunately he was the one who extended him so we could actually get on him for that. Mm -hmm. But he realized that, you know, we got to get better and he did. And I do think Rucker is going to be more contributing as a blocker versus a receiver because they signed the other two guys to be their receivers and be legitimate threats in the past game. But listen, football is a game where anything could happen, as we've learned with Zach Wilson in a second. He could play, he, an injury could make him start playing. So you just really never know. But I'm just super excited about the future with him because I'm hoping that this guy could be, you know, like a 10 year Jed and someone that fans love, like a Kotri. Like Kotri is obviously not this like perennial thousand yard receiver but he was a fan favorite and he was reliable mm-hmm. and he did things that people got excited about. And that's why fans to this day still talk about Jericho Patry, even though fans outside this team probably don't even remember him because yeah. he didn't impact you the way he impacted us. So I'm super excited for this tight end room. And I, I, I think Conklin is going to teach, you know, record a lot. Same thing with Uzama. And apparently I don't know if you saw the video. They, the team posted like their weekly video with the camera. Like it's like the, the flight cam. And there's mm-hmm. like, who throws the best parties out of all the positional groups? Tight ends, baby. That's what everyone's saying. <laughs> I feel like Uzama is like the leader of the party with that. He is. Know? Yeah. <laughs> I feel like he's, uh, he's, he's kind of solidified himself as like a, a honorary captain. And that's, he was that, I think that's the big draw for, for uh, CG Uzama too, is being that leader. That's what he was on Cincinnati. I think he's come on, uh, come into the Jets locker room and really embraced that role. But yeah, I mean, I'm just, I'm excited about the positional group overall. I just, I'm, I'm excited to have these weapons and to have young depth as well. Uzama, as good as he is, he gets banged up. So knowing that Rucker or even Cager could kind of slide into that spot, we wouldn't lose that much. Um, that's a, an exciting prospect to have. So it's it's just uh, it's just good to have capable uh, people at that group because, like you said, man, I was you know pumping myself up over Tyler Croft catching a touchdown against the Packers in preseason oh last God. year. And how what, bad, what, what a tease of nothing. How bad that- did that plummet? Uh, you know, <laughs> <laughs> once the regular season rolled around. So that- I'm just. Uh, it's that, good to have tight ends that can actually catch the ball. <laughs> that exact reason is why Zach's terrible interception should be discounted. Yes. Just, right Tyler there. Croft looked like the next Gronkowski in that game, and he literally was, at best, a serviceable blocker in yeah. 12 personnel, but literally was – did he even catch a touchdown last year? I don't even remember. I don't, I don't think, think so. he did. I don't think so. And, and, and that's just literally why, you know, don't take the preseason for anything more than it's worth. And, and, I, and the thing is, like – when we talk about target share and, and how this is going to go, um, when you think about just putting like your best players on the field uh, for Zach or whoever's out there playing quarterback, but honestly, objectively speaking, and this is through one preseason game and me not being at camp, but it's Elijah one, probably Conklin two and Garrett Wilson three, right? 
I mean, isn't that like, do you, do you think everyone would agree with that? I mean, as much as I really respect Corey Davis, I honestly think he's the number three wide receiver option. And I think it's clear that Uzama's behind Conklin. So as you kind of break down, just, you know, ranking the weapons in terms of who's going to be the most favorable one for the quarterback, it's got to be in that order, right? Am I wrong? You disagree with that? No, I don't at all. And I, I think honestly, and Jake's actually about to join us in a second. Right. I do think that's the case. And Corey Davis needs to stop dropping the ball. And yeah. then he literally can get those targets. And we welcome to the show, Mr. Jake Asman. Thanks, Jake, for joining. We know you're a busy guy. You know, you got the afternoon drive in Houston. You've grown a lot since we first met you. What's up, Jake? What's up, guys? Thanks for having me on the show. Thanks for coming, man. Round three, dude. This is great. You're the, the first three time we have on this on this uh, oh, man. live I, show, man. That's awesome. I, well, I appreciate you guys having me back, man. It, mean, it means a lot. And uh, it also means football is right around the corner, right? at least regular season football is. So <laughs> honored to be back. Thanks for having me. No problem, man. We, I, we don't, we kind of, obviously we led with the, the Zach injury, but I don't want to take away from anything that, uh, that you have. So go ahead. Why don't you tell your kind of first reaction to uh, watching the game on Friday night, seeing Zach go down and what you think <laughs> of the, the prognosis and, and what may or may not come out of the surgery tomorrow. I mean, well, watching it, I thought he was done. I, th- I think I speak for a lot of Jet fans being like, well, I mean, why would we expect the Jets to get a break? But in, in a way, obviously it's not ideal, but they got a break. He's not going to miss the entire season, which would have been a uh, worst case scenario. I-, I thought he was done watching it. It didn't help that, you know, you had all the Twitter doctors out there saying, yep, torn ACL, you know, even my guy like Leger Duzable being like, I'm hearing it's an ACL. And we're like, oh my God, like we couldn't even get through a quarter of a preseason game before <laughs> the season's over. You got to be kidding me. But uh, by the end of, I guess, Friday night, so I was out in Las Vegas. So it was really, it was like 11 PM Vegas time. So it was like, you know, well after, midnight one o'clock two o'clock in the morning east coast i was seeing a lot of tweets of like optimism for people that are around the jets like diana rossini i think was the first to have it that hey she was they think that you know the jets think they avoided worst case scenario it might not be as bad as it looks so i'm like all right like let's see then i woke up to you know the news that they're, they're saying two to four weeks maybe a little worse but i mean either way if it only ends up being let's say four to six weeks you still dodge some major bullets so uh, not ideal, obviously. You want Zach to play as many games as possible, but better than him not playing at all is the way I'm looking at it. Yeah, you you nailed it. And I'm sure, you know, you felt like us. Like, I felt like a dead person inside. Um, I'm not going to go through my story again. And people who are watching and who will be listening have already heard it, but you can tune back in. It's it's a funny story about my my night on Friday night. But uh, we were talking a little about the tight end rooms. We were talking about Conklin, how we're super excited about him because he seems like, you know, the first legit tight end we've had in quite some time. Um, the big thing we're debating, though, is how we think he's probably either number two or number three, probably in target share going into the season. That's what we think is going to happen. Um, what do you think about that? Do you think Corey Davis is buried right now? Do you think, you know, Uzama obviously is behind Conklin is what it seems like. What are your thoughts about Corey Davis potentially being the fourth option compared to last year where he really was arguably the number one option until Elijah kind of emerged? What do you think about that? Yeah, it's an interesting point, Stephen, just because I'm not sure what it – what exactly it's going to look like. I feel pretty confident saying Elijah Moore is going to be the number one receiver, but there's an argument to be made that if Garrett Wilson really comes on, maybe he's the number two guy, right? I think that'd be a really cool scenario for the Jets. What a problem to have. (laughs) Right, exactly. So uh, we're we're certainly rooting for that. I'm interested to see what type of role Corey Davis has if Flacco in particular is the quarterback uh, for week one, because we know Zach has had a tendency to maybe throw the ball too much to Corey, even that interception yep. in the one drive before the injury, he locked in on Corey Davis, made a bad throw, didn't see the linebackers. So uh, I, I'm curious to see 
what type of role Corey Davis has week one, if it is Flacco at quarterback. And then big picture, you'd want to see Zach kind of distribute the ball to, to a bunch of different guys in, in this offense. So I do think Corey Davis will have a role. Ideally, he doesn't drop as many passes as he did a year ago before he got hurt because you know this is a guy you're still paying a significant amount of money to. And I think he's properly slotted in this offense. Like I think with Elijah as the one, Corey Davis being the number two, he plays that role really well. That's what got him paid in the first place coming from Tennessee opposite A.J. Brown. So I think that's the hope, right, that he has you know a significant possession receiver type role, but he's not the guy that maybe the quarterback's honing in on too much over spreading the ball out to other options. I have the ultimate spin zone. Less targets means less drops. There you go. <laughs> right. You're not wrong. Listen, it's, it's true. I mean, it's, it's a sad truth, but it is the truth. <laughs> so, <laughs> Jake, uh, we haven't talked to you since, I think, midway through towards the end of last season. But now full off season, obviously gone. We're in the preseason here in 22. Before the wind was taken out of our sails with the Zach Wilson injury, um, I think everyone was feeling pretty good, right? And Zach's making progress every day in camp. You're thinking like, okay, this could be an exciting team here in 22. But what are your thoughts overall, just A, on the job that Joe Douglas has done in these last few off seasons, both draft and free agency, and then B, kind of what you're feeling as we head into uh, the 22 season and the Jets kind of on the whole compared to obviously what we've been through the last you know decade plus. Yeah, Stephen, before the Zach Wilson injury, I mean, I, I think we all as Jeff fans felt pretty good about where this team was headed. We felt like they had a really good draft. I mean, I mean, even people that despise the Jets or will never you know, be willing to say the Jets did something right. They were getting universal praise from seemingly everyone for their draft. So mm-hmm. obviously that's got to translate uh, to the regular season and whatnot. But the early returns, I'd say, about this rookie class have been very encouraging so far. I was at the Green and White scrimmage and I watched Sauce in person. I was really impressed. Reese Hall, I thought, flashed that night. We saw you know some of those signs early on, even in this first preseason game. We go back to free agency, right? Uzama and Conklin, you know, re-signing Braxton Berrios, going out there and signing a Pro Bowl guard in Lakin Tomlinson, a really good safety in Jordan Whitehead. They they did a really good job filling needs without breaking the bank and really you know crippling their salary cap situation for years to come. Like they gave out big contracts, but they didn't set the market at any of these, uh, you know, positions that they signed. So I, I was really encouraged with what they did in the offseason, what they did in the drafts. The, the Zach News stinks, but it's not season-ending. And if he's back, let's say, week two, week three, the latest, I, I don't think that's the worst thing in the world given, you know, what the expectation level is for this Jets team in 2022. Yeah, you nailed it. I, I think the one thing that you were talking about, Sauce, and we haven't really talked about him tonight, but everything I'm hearing, and I'm sure you guys are reading, this guy might be better than what we are thinking, like, Will was telling us just like when he was on the, he was on the field the other day at, 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 camp, at camp, he's like, this guy just is a pro's pro. He's a rookie. And the amount of attention to detail that he's showing, it's, it's insane. Like rookies are like, especially like a first round rookie who's drafted that high, feel that sense of entitlement. He just seems so hungry to be great. And it's something this team has lacked. Like, you know, we had the Muhammad Wilkerson's, the Shelbridge of the world, those guys who like, you know, they had some flashes and then they, you know, eventually get complacent and stop working hard. Sauce doesn't seem like that's that kind of guy. It seems like the kind of guy that just wants to prove himself. Like he's made the jokes that the team doesn't call him Sauce because he needs to earn that nickname. That's the mentality that I want to see. And like, I'm curious, like what was, what stood out to you about Sauce when you saw him in the green and white scrimmage? His size, man. Like you just don't see corners that look like him. The size and speed. I mean, he's, he's, he's able to go toe to toe with Elijah Moore on some of these reps and, and win these reps. I mean, there was one play where he covered Garrett Wilson and Zach made a really good throw, but there was no room because Sauce needed to use the end zone sideline 
as basically an extra defender and the, and the ball was caught, but it was out of bounds because sauce knew, you know, kind of had, had to play that route perfectly against Garrett Wilson. He's impressive to watch in person. I know he's kind of been impressive all summer for anyone that's been at these practices or the beat that's been there every day. You know, I don't want to sit here and tell you he's going to be Darrell Revis because that wouldn't be fair. No. To but when you take a guy in the top five, you're expecting him to be a, a, a pro bowl level player, like a multi-time pro bowl level player for years to come. He might not do it right away as a rookie, but I think he's going to be solid as a rookie. And then, you know, you could see with his talent level and his work ethic, the sky's really the limit for him to be one of the better corners in the NFL within a couple of seasons. Yeah, I, I think it's it's interesting because as a as a number four overall pick, I mean, everybody is excited about this guy. But at the same time, he's quiet. He's kind of quietly having like a great camp to where it's almost expected at this point. And Jake, you're right. I mean, we're Jets fans. We put Rebus on a pedestal. He is. He's the best, most talented Jet of all time, in my opinion. I think you guys agree with me. I think we've had this discussion before. Yeah, so I don't want to I don't, I don't want to put that unfair pressure on sauce. But the things that you're hearing is that he prepares in a way that is Rebus esque. Right. And we've heard the stories from like Mike Tannenbaum about what Revis was you've seen the videos about the way that you know Darrell Revis practiced and he went against like Chancey Stuckin he's like no I'm not letting this guy get a catch against me like that's the way that Sauce kind of goes about his business you're seeing on the sidelines on Friday night he's still into it every single rep or you know when he's not playing when he's on the sideline like those are the things that really excite you and I think there's almost like a quiet like I said a quiet expectation about him that we just already expect him to just continue to perform and be great, even though he's a rookie and a fourth overall pick. Like you got to remember in like the pre-jet process, everybody loved this guy. Yeah. Like there was, there's not one person that I can remember that any, had bad thing to say about sauce Gardner, like cleanest guy, like works his ass off, like just great prospect. He's not, you know, going to be the best corner of the NFL, but he's going to be a really good one for a really long time because of the size you said, the mental makeup and just his desire to be great. So mm-hmm. it's like, Having that kind of guy in your team feels good. And we haven't had something like that in a long time. So um, I'm excited about Sauce. It's, it also just has a great nickname. And, like, if he actually is as good as we're hoping, the marketability of him is going to be insane. Like, yes. every single company is going to be like, we need to do something with you that makes Sauce. <laughs> yeah, you're 100% right. I mean, it's the number he wears too, right? Like, he's got the nickname. But he's also wearing yes. the number one. So he, he just looks like a guy that should be really good at football. Obviously, he's got to back it up when the regular season starts, but uh, the early returns on him have been awesome. And and you're right. You know, he was one of the cleanest prospects coming out of this year's draft. He didn't have an injury history, right? He he played for multiple years. He wasn't like a one-year wonder. You now this is a guy that really checked off all the boxes that you want in an elite corner prospect. And the Jets clearly love him. So hopefully they got it right. And it seems like early on they, they have thus far. I think Sal's reaction to when they called him on the phone tells you everything you need to know about how much yeah. they wanted to sign yeah. on the team. We're so sure. excited. <laughs> um, so I want to beg a question to both of you, obviously, based on the preseason game. Um, nothing negative. There's only positive stuff. Um, I only watched about – I watched the first half when I got home. From, I went to the Mets game first, and then I watched most a lot of the third quarter. But then once they took out Mike White, I was just like, I don't really care anymore. Who was the guy that really stood out to you that you were excited about coming out of the first the first preseason game? I'm going to give it to you first, Jake. I thought Garrett Wilson played well in, in some limited reps. I, I, felt, I felt like he should have had another catch. I think it was Zach Wilson that missed him on mm-hmm, a round. He did. Was open. Uh, I thought Garrett looked good. I saw. I forget. I'd give credit to the YouTube channel if I remember where I saw it. But someone went play by play through Garrett's film and just showed his route and 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 what he did on each on, on each play. He was out there and he was open. Like he was open on plays where the ball didn't even go his way. I was impressed with what we saw from Garrett Wilson. He was jawing with the Eagles sideline. Like he doesn't lack confidence. And I think, you know, the fact that he he is coming from Ohio state, such a big program has played in big games. 
I don't think the moment's going to be too big for Garrett Wilson early on as a rookie. So uh, I'm excited to see what he could do. I don't think he's going to be, you know, J- you know, Jamar Chase or Justin Jefferson no. right away, but he doesn't have to be to end up being a really good pick. And he's kind of been slept on a little bit, right? I mean, he's mm-hmm. the middle guy in that first round, all the hype around sauce, the trade up for Jermaine Johnson and the excitement from this fan base with a guy that good slipping to where he went. Garrett Wilson was the 10th pick in the draft at a position that the Jets have not addressed in the first round in 20 years since Santana Moss, basically. So uh, I, I think we're going to be really, really uh, pleasantly surprised with just how good this guy is. I think some Jet fans maybe are aware of it, but not enough. And I thought it was a good start for Garrett Wilson in this game on Friday. For sure. Steven, what about you? Who surprised you or that was someone you really liked watching? Yeah, I'd agree with uh, with Jake. I thought Garrett Wilson had a nice start. I wish that Zach hit him in that uh, that open flat to start the game. But either way, uh, I'll go to the other side of the ball, and I was really impressed with Michael Clemens. Um, I think he has a chance to be a serious contributor on this team. I think he's obviously going to make the roster just because he's a fourth-round pick from this year. But we've gone from the Jets having no edge rushers to the Jets maybe having a lot of edge rushers. And I feel really good about their defensive line. This game, honestly, I mean, it started probably about as bad as you could expect (laughs) with everything. Um, But once you actually sat down and watched the game in full, the D-line really did get after it and they looked pretty good. Now, it's preseason game one. We can't either hit the panic button or overinflate their success. But I thought Michael Clemens, who I think had seven pressures and one sack, Uh, or seven hurries and one sack. I think that is uh, kind of the cherry on top of this defensive line when you factor in guys like Jacob Martin, who has looked good, obviously Carl Lawson, guys like Jermaine Johnson, and then who they have in the middle with Quinn Williams and Sheldon Rankin. So I think Michael Clemens could be a nice unforeseen additional piece to that defensive line, that edge spot, and that rotation that, um, you know, could kind of put this unit over the edge. Yeah, I was impressed with both those guys. And Clemens, is like if you if you look up what you want to see a pass rusher to look like in like the dictionary, that's what Michael Clemens looks like. That yes. guy is a freak of nature. He's like violent. Violence, just his physique is insane. I know he's a little bit older for a rookie, which is probably why he's a little more filled out than a guy like Jermaine Johnson. But I have a hot take. I think it's possible that Clemens maybe contributes more than Jermaine Johnson. I, I think like I think Jermaine could be really good, but I also think. He's just been okay. I know he's had a couple moments in camp so far, but it seems like Michael Clemens just might be really good as a rookie, and we just didn't expect it. What do you guys think? I'm sure you guys are going to sh- throw cold water on this one. <laughs> well, it's not crazy. I mean, things like that have happened before. You know, it would it would be very ironic if like the the best defensive player they end up drafting is the guy in, in the fourth round after they drafted Sauce and Jermaine in the first round. Look, I think Jermaine Johnson's also going to be really good. You know, I think. I Jermaine's going up against a tougher level of competition than yes. Clemens is when he's playing, you know, late in the second half of this game. So keep that in mind. But I, I've liked what I've heard from Clemens. I actually was lucky enough to watch him play in college, probably a little more than most of the, the radio station I work for down here in Houston. We're the flagship for uh, for Texas A&M here in the city. So I've kind of followed, you know, the Aggies the last couple of years and followed Michael Clemens. So I liked the pick when they made it. I thought he was a guy that probably fit the type of defensive end that Robert Sala is looking for. I didn't think he'd be, you know, playing as well as he has apparently in training camp, you know, this quickly, but you never know. I don't think it's, I, I mean, it's a hot take. Yes, but it's not like the craziest take that we've heard <laughs> Probably not gonna a Jet fan about this team. Right. Yeah. yeah but no. I mean, he's right. I mean, crazier things have happened. I mean, the guy's a fourth round pick for a reason. He had some legal trouble. That's, that's why he dropped. But honestly, like this is kind of an out of the box comparison, but who would have thought that Lavernius Coles would end up having a better career than Peter Warwick. But right. But that happened. And, you know, it's things like that. Like they drop in the draft process. Once you're in it, man, once you're in the league, you're in the league. And what you do with it from there is, hey, it's up to you. So it's not the craziest thing. You might actually see it here. I'm going to give you a good example. That's recently. Think about this one. You probably forgot this. The Ravens took 
Hayden Hurst in the first round. They took Mark Andrews in the fifth round. There you go. It's you just never know. Sometimes it's all like guys are slept on, like you said, just just because maybe where they play because of legal issues, which obviously we hope that he doesn't have any issues while he's on the Jets. But you just never know. Some guys just they develop better as they go along versus what they were in college. It's a weird thing, but everybody's different, and you just you never know. It um, happened with the quarterback too. If you remember the the year that Washington drafted RG three, Kirk Cousins, they drafted him in like the fourth or fifth round, whatever it was. He ends up obviously being a much better player over the course of their careers. Yeah, and the Cowboys uh, in 2016, they wanted to trade for Paxton Lynch. They ended up settling for Dak Prescott. I think that they're pretty happy that they settled for <laughs> Dak Prescott. That really works out. You just never know. I'm, I'm not saying this is going to happen. Just a thought. Yeah. Um, we talked about this guy before, but I'm curious Jake's thoughts because he did watch him closely because you do kind of cover the Texans for a living. What are your thoughts on Jacob Martin? I've heard good things about him. I'm curious what you've seen from him and his time in Houston. Very surprised the Texans didn't bring him back. That, that was my thought because the Texans, their offseason, they re-signed a lot of guys from their team a year ago. And it's not like this was a great team a season ago. They were 4-13. and 13. They were obviously picking one spot ahead of the Jets. I was surprised that he was not one of the guys they brought back because they brought back so many guys. We joked on our radio show, oh, hashtag run it back for you know a 4-13 and 13 team. <laughs> Martin was one of their better defensive players, so I was surprised they let him go. He's going to be an effective pass rusher. I don't think he's an every down defensive lineman, even though when the media brought that up to him, he's like, oh, I can do everything. I think he's good as a situational, you know, rush the quarterback type of player. But I mean, I I was impressed watching him the last two seasons he's been here in Houston. And I was surprised they didn't bring him back. So I thought that was an under the radar, very good move uh, by Joe Douglas bringing him in. And he's had a really good camp. And he obviously has flashed at times when fans have had a chance to watch him. I'm excited. I, I remember when they signed, I remember you tweeting about him saying like, Jeff fans are going to like this guy. He, you know, he's a good, he's a good guy to have on the team. seems like a good locker room guy. I mean, mm-hmm. he's, you know, he's tightened a little bit buried in the depth chart, but he doesn't seem to let it bother him. And he's just going to do his job and work his ass off and make sure that he's ready on game day. So I'm excited to see what you can bring. I mean, all these guys, it's just, it's just nice that there's such a new infusion of talent on the roster mm-hmm. that we haven't had. And like people, like I, I think the craziest thing is just like the over under in Vegas is five and a half. And it's My six now, by the way. The Jeff fans have bet it too much. It's now I, I I was just in <laughs> Vegas over the weekend. I looked to myself. This is at Circa Casino. Uh, it's now at six. So the Jet fans, congratulations to you. Bet the win total up a half a win. So well, now think about this. We, we can make seven Jets. wins to go over now if you're betting the Jets. Yeah, but think about this. Think about how like literally Jets Twitter can get anyone's win rookie of the week. So Anything is possible, but I'm glad that you told me that because I was basically having a conversation with one of my friends about the over-under, and I said, do you really think with all the talent that they've made, they'd have to be so bad that they couldn't, you know, they couldn't surpass one more, two wins, two more wins than last year? That's like, it's just something did add up, so I'm glad to know that, that they're expecting to be a little bit better, but I did see that the week one spread has actually got up to a full touchdown, up to seven, so, you know, proceed with caution, I would say, on that one until we get more clarity on everything. Um, I'm just curious to both your thoughts. What do you guys think about Zonovan Knight? Do you think he has a legitimate shot of making the roster? I'm going to pass in the Steven verse because I really think he does based on how he's been flashing so far. Yeah, I really think he does as well. I think he's probably more likely for the practice squad, though, yeah. simply because of the staff's love for Tevin Coleman and experience back in that room. Knowing Tevin Coleman's experience with LaFleur, with the Shanahan system, 
I think that's going to hold a lot of weight considering you have a year one and year two running back already that are shooting uh, on this roster. So I think that will carry more weight, but I definitely think that Zonovan Knight will be a practice squad guy, even though I think as objectively speaking, just from a strictly play standpoint, Zonovan Knight brings more to the table than Tevin Coleman. Um, I mean, Tevin Coleman had a good year last year. I think he surprised a lot of us because we better than expected. Because we were exactly because we were banking on the injury history, uh, but overall, I think the affinity that, uh, that the staff probably has, that I think we all know they have with uh, with Tico, is going to keep him on the roster and probably put Knight as a uh, practice squad guy. Jake, what are your thoughts? Yeah, Stephen, I'm with you. I I, I agree. I, I think if he makes the team, I'd be a little surprised because of what you said about Tevin Coleman and the staff bringing him back for a reason. Knows the system. I think they want a veteran in that room too, right? You got the young guy in Carter in year two. Brees Hall's a rookie who they love, they traded up for. You kind of get the sense they'd want that that veteran, been here, done that second year with the team, been in the system of bazillion years going back to the Niners days. So I I, I would agree, although Knight's been impressive, uh, impressive, man. I mean, when the Jets signed him, there were some rumblings. Oh, you know, they really liked him as an undrafted free agent guy. Surprised, honestly, watching him so far, he wasn't drafted, but – I'd be surprised if he made the team. I mean, if they keep four running backs, I think he could. You know, I, I don't know if if uh, Ty Johnson is a lot to make. Michael P. Ryan is a lot to make this team, no. right? So depends how many running backs they want to keep. If they keep a fourth back on the 53, maybe there's a chance he's the guy. Yeah, and I think it'd be cool. And also, great nickname, Bam Knight. Like, that's just <laughs> awesome. Like, yep. I'm, I know Connor Hughes added him to his all-name uh, team. So, you know. But it would be cool to have a guy named Bam and a guy named Sauce on one roster. So I'm super excited about that. All right. You know, we are – we're getting there. I feel like this preseason game this week obviously doesn't have nearly the juice it had now that Zach stopped playing. But I'm going to – we're going to cap it with this. So, Jake, what's one thing you want to see from the Jets on Monday Night Football when the entire nation is so excited to watch us play the Falcons? <laughs> I would like to see the starting quarterback not leave the game with an injury. If, if that happens <laughs> – if that happens, I don't care what happens the rest of the game. That, to me, is a successful preseason game two uh, for the New York Jets. That's all I care about. I, I do not want to see the starting quarterback, Joe Flacco, leave this game with an injury. You're telling me you don't want to see Mike White? I Look, I love Mike White. He, I, Robert Sala could say he's in the Hall of Fame all he wants. I'd like to see Joe Flacco play and be healthy and not leave this game with an injury. All right. Very fair. And it's, like a, it. it's a good thing to hope and want for. Uh, Steven, what about you? I'm usually 100% offense, but I'm going to go the other side. I would like to see a receiver not be open by like 10 yards with no one around him catching a pass, even though it is preseason game two. It seemed like the starting defense picked up where they left off last year and guys were just running everywhere, wherever they wanted and getting open by 10, 15 yards. So I'd like to see a little bit more aggressiveness, maybe, uh, you know, a three and out for the Jets defense to start this game on, uh, on Monday night. All right. What do you think, Steven? I like it. Both are good. I want to see more from Jermaine Johnson. I want to see him get a lot of reps. I I feel like he's not going to be an every down player this year. So this is an opportunity for him to really show what he can do and hopefully earn playing time down the road because you'd imagine he's not going to be a starter on week one. So I want to see what he can do. I mean, I think he's, he's flashed a little bit. I think he's gotten better as camp has gone along, but haven't heard too much about him, but he also did, you know, give Will a shout out for his podcast, so, which is pretty right. cool. Yeah, that was pretty cool. But yeah, I just want to see that and no injuries of significance. Like, honestly, don't play Carl Lawson. 
Like I know that man. He's like he wants to come back so bad more than he needs air. Do not let that guy play. I I, I can't afford my heart to be just broken again that we lose another guy, another what if. We would have had X amount of sacks if he was on the team. Maybe we would have won another game. I, I just want everybody who is supposed to be a starter, if they're going to play, limited as possible, even though this is technically the draft rehearsal because the Giants game will be all the guys who are fighting for a spot. I'm assuming like nobody, Flacco's not going to play that game or anything like that. I just, please, the vibes are too high. We lose Makai. Zach stuff happens. We, we've been through enough it. For the last however many years as a fan base, since Joe Namath won that Super Bowl, give us something good. That is all I need. <laughs> I hear you. I like it. Hey, listen, so uh, I know we probably got to run. We'll, we'll close it up soon. But I got one more question, and it's for each of you. Uh, but, Jake, since we're not going to talk to you again before the season starts, but let's say I'll, I'll preface this with you can't say Zach Wilson and you can't say injuries. But if January rolls around and the Jets are vying for a wild card spot, what would be the biggest reason that they are? Oh, that's a great question. It is so a good I question. About I can't it. say Zach and I can't say injuries. All right. Um, I'm going to say Carl Lawson plays like a guy that is in the comeback player of the year conversation. I don't think he'd win defensive player of the year, but he's that true difference-making pass rusher that this defense needs to be successful, that Nick Bosa type for Robert Sala to have to make the rest of this defense really work. I think Lawson is what he was last summer and what apparently he has been this summer. And we see it in regular season games. Uh, this team could surprise and maybe be competing for a playoff spot late in the year. I like right. it. I like uh, it. Go I'm ahead, going to stick with defense, but a little bit different, more broadly, that the Jets have a top five defense. And that would carry them because it would allow, you know, the offense to not be in bad situations playing from behind, you know, trying to force things, which causes turnovers, interceptions by the quarterback. It also allows them to run the ball, which is what this offense wants to be. It's what Mike LaFleur has been instilled since he, you know, first got into the NFL working with his brother, working with Kyle Shanahan. It would kind of reminisce what the first two years of Rex were, where they're ground and pound, really strong defense. That's what I think it would be if it can't be Zach and it can't be injury luck. Steven, what about you? I think it's the O-line. I think, honestly, if this, if this O-line can show um, that they're a middle-of-the-road unit to – you know, playing potentially great in some games. I think that changes this whole team's trajectory. Honestly, I think they're, I've said it before. I think they're going to be a run heavy team. I think they're going to be a run first team uh, on the backs of Brees Hall and Michael Carter. I think that if this O line can perform and hold up specifically in the middle with guys like Lincoln Tomlinson and and ABT, I think we're going to see a a good competitive team. And if your O line's good, I think you're going to be in in every game, you know, honestly. So I'll switch it up though. I probably should have started with the negative, but I'll go, I'll go negative this time. So same parameters, but let's say the jets are four and 13 again at the end of the season. What would be the biggest reason as to why? Well, I mean, you, you got to start with the quarterback, right? But obviously I can't say the quarterback you know, under these parameters. I mean, something I've had to have gone catastrophically wrong from a quarterback standpoint. And the other thing I'm not allowed to say the injuries, if this team somehow only wins four games, but I mean, I, I'll, I'll stick with the opposite of basically what Steven said for whatever reason, this defense is not as good as we think it is. Like they were 32nd last year, say they're only marginally better somehow, but this could be a a rough team because this defense has to play better. Like they were horrible for most of last season, especially that stretch where, you know, that four game stretch where they allowed like a 50 burger twice. And what you guys, we don't need to go down, you know, the nightmare stretch that I'm referring to. I I, I would say if this defense doesn't take a, a, you know, even a marginal leap, this is a team that could win 
you know, four games in, in that four to five range, right? Like, cause we all expect them to be better because the quarterback's going to be better. They added offensive players on, on the offensive line and, you know, in the skill position area, running backs as well. Defense is a major question mark, and this is a defensive-minded head coach, so that defense better take a significant leap. And if they do that, there's no reason why this team can't win six, seven, eight, maybe we go crazy, nine, ten wins, right? I mean, that's really how I look at it. This defense should be a lot better. Good good points. Oh, this is tough because I don't want to do this because I – believe or want to believe in this guy but it has to do with Salah and it it kind of gives me like you know how Giants fans turned on Ben McAdoo after initially liking him where it's like he was a guy that they liked they wanted you know to be successful and obviously I know he had a much better first season than Salah but it's just like it goes so south that he's just in over his head and doesn't know what he's doing and mismanages so much I don't think that's going to happen but if if we're talking about a scenario where can't be quarterback can't be injuries yeah. usually starts the head coach at that point and obviously the yeah. general manager as well. So that would mean that both him and Joe Douglas probably be out of work. So that's yeah. how I probably would go with it. Kind of ties to what Jake was saying. What about you, Steve? Clearly yeah. I'm a big guy, a big believer in the trenches. Cause I'm going to say the D line. I think <laughs> if you would have asked before 21, Steven, you and I talked about it a lot, but anyone, any objective Jets fan would have said that the defensive line was a strength of this team and probably the best unit on the team. And they underperformed. You, you can't, overemphasize how much they underperformed right last year. I mean, there were plenty of times where they looked lost and it seemed like the scheme didn't make sense. Like it was supposed to be a simple scheme where you, you know, you just, you attack up front and that's it. You go straight forward. You try to get up to the quarterback. You forget about everything else because the guys behind you got your back. Well, it seemed to backfire more often than not. So I have big expectations for the, for this defensive line, even bigger than last year with the return of Carl Lawson. But if they underperform in a fashion that they did last year, I think it's going to, it's going to be hell for this defense. And that would, again, <sighs> that would go to exactly what Jake said and that, that the whole unit would underperform. And that would mean that the, you know, this whole team is swimming. Oh, why do we, why do we even talk about this? Come on. We're Jets I, fans. I, we live in the negative. I got, I can't bring up one without the other. Our coach and general manager works <laughs> say positive vibes only. That's I know. I got, I got, I got to get right one. Now. I got to get one. I'm sorry. <laughs> uh, well, if, if it's anything like that, all gas, no break, you're not going to be able to buy them. Just because I know, that's true. just the way this franchise operates. Uh, <laughs> why don't they sell t-shirts that say there's that? something with a copyright issue? I have no issue. idea. Something with a copyright issue, I think, from what I understand. I know I would have it already. Yes. Um, but Jake, you know. You have been on this show more than anybody other than Stephen and I. We thank you for always being a loyal guest. Uh, we always wish you the most success as your show has changed since the last time we spoke to you. Um, you know, are super excited for you and deserve, you know, all the, the credit, all the accolades that you will receive because you've been doing an amazing job in your role. Um, but yeah, thanks so much for joining us again. Anytime, guys. It, it, it's it's always fun. And, you know, hopefully... You know, the next time I'm on, we're actually talking about, you know, some of these positive things we discussed on it actually playing out, you know, in regular season games. Wouldn't that be nice? <laughs> that, think, that, that'd be great. Commemorative. We, as, as soon as we see the Jets in the, in the hunt graphic, Jake's on the very next show. Yeah, that's <laughs> got to be it. All right. We're holding him to that. Uh, <laughs> real quickly, make sure you guys subscribe to our podcast feed, our YouTube channel. We really appreciate all the support since the new feed launched. Um, and don't forget about the uh, the watch party for the Falcons game at Ale House in Hoboken. You know, Joe will be there. Connor will be there. Will and I will be there. Plenty of other people will be there. Free pizza, drink specials, Jets football. You can't beat that. Um, but, yeah, it's going to be a good time. We hope to see everybody there. And uh, thanks for tuning in, and we'll talk to you guys next week.